0: Welcome to Neutral Site. We are your college football podcast regardless of your team. More than just scores and schedules, we bring you the overlooked stories and underused data across the best sport in the world. And today is a Metrics That Matters episode where we dive deep into a metric behind the underused data we refer to week in, week out as we prepare you for those tailgate trash talkers. Houston, it's been a little bit since we've uh, done a Metrics That Matter episode, but I'm excited to... Cover estimated points and estimated points added today.
1: Yeah, it has been a while, and this is a good one to get back in the game with because it's tricky. This is a, a tricky subject, right?
0: It is, Houston. And before we get into the tricky topic, I uh, want to just let our listeners know that today's Neutral Site Metrics That Matter episode is brought to them by CBS Sports HQ. The brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24 7 and costs you nothing. That's right, it's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. CBS Sports HQ is coverage that's always focused on the game. They have tons of highlights. They break the news. They've got your fantasy advice, which is big for those of you having your championship weekend. Uh, And something um, I'm sure listeners care deeply about is gambling picks and analysis to help them get that extra edge. And now, while I'm not a gambler, uh, I know many who are turn to CBS Sports HQ to see the tips and trends that help them win. Don't forget, you can get access to all this great coverage completely free. Not free for a week or a month, Or if you have some special package to pair it with, but completely free, you don't even need to log in. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or any connected device to watch the CBS Sports HQ. Now, no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at the great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. And with that Houston, let's get started with estimated points and estimated points added.
1: So so Glenn, I think a good way to start off, can you give us the basically the synopsis? What is EP EPA kind of the for the for the uh, layman out there like myself? What what exactly is this?
0: Yeah, and so these these two metrics go hand in hand. And so EP or expected points is the net point value a team can expect to score on a specific play based on on a given combination of certain variables, specifically field position, down, and yards to go. And then expected points added is the difference between expected points at the start and the end of a play, and thus is a measure of the impact of any given play of a game by a specific team. So that's expected points, so, expected points added.
1: So they're technically two different things, but linked, right? And they, obviously EPA plays off of expected points. So Exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get into this thing has had an interesting past, uh, how it was created, where it stands now. Interesting story. But first, can you can you give us uh, like, why does this matter? Why are people looking at EP and EPA?
0: Right. So I mean, as the world of statistics and analytics has gone deeper into football, in particular, there people are always looking for something that's a better way to understand and, and more predictive to the success of a football team. And EPA has been a key metric and, and growing because at the end of the day, the only stat that matters is the score, right? And so you're, they're looking for metrics to understand how efficient, uh, effective, and explosive is a team at scoring. And so this metric has been developed and continually used. In particular, not only is it used by many kind of individual college football analytics uh, or personnel in the field, but it's also heavily used In the ESPN FPI, which you and I have covered previously, and also in the ESPN Total QBR, which you and I will be covering uh, and releasing in the next week or so. It's also included in ESPN's live game probability charts. So this is used pretty widely. If you don't see it immediately, it's likely behind another metric that you're looking at.
1: Yeah, so there was was kind of a need, right, for just more analytics, more metrics in football. They're trying to maybe get you know, more and more similar to uh, how baseball uses analytics. So someone saw a need for this and uh, decided to uh, create kind of the first model. Where, where did it come from? How did the EP and EPA start?
0: Yeah, and I love the background of uh, estimated points in particular. Uh, so it really had its founding in the work of a BYU graduate, Virgil, Virgil Carter, the blue darter. Which has got to be yes. That's a great nickname and very classic. Because this was this was uh, years and and years ago. I mean, he was he played for uh, BYU 1963 to 1966. Was drafted Mm -hmm. by the Chicago Bears, and while playing for the Chicago Bears, he was getting his MBA at Northwestern University uh, in Evanston, Illinois, my hometown actually. And he co-published a research article called Operations Research on football, where he introduced an expected points model, the very first initial um, version of this that I can find. And essentially what he was doing is he was, because he was connected with the Bears up there, he was collecting data and had access to the data uh, in the NFL. And then for one of his projects in his NBA was actually applying it here, which I think is incredible that he was playing in the NFL while earning his master's at Northwestern, which is a pretty much an Ivy League school. Yeah. And so what he yeah. put forward in operations research on football was an average value of the next scoring event to any given 10-yard chunk on the field. So this is very early, and at the time, EP, EP or estimated points was based off of 10-yard chunks. So if you're in between the 10 and the 20, 20 and 10, or excuse me, the 20 and 30, and the 30 and 40, you have a different EP.
1: Yeah, and that's cool that he he was at Northwestern while playing for the Bears. Pretty cool, pretty cool story. The blue darter.
0: Yeah, the blue darter. And then as this, this started to evolve, when other people started to build on it. So another big step forward was taken in the 1998 book, The Hidden Game of Football. And this was actually written by the two authors who also wrote The Hidden Game of Baseball, which was pretty key in the analytics movement for baseball as well. And they really emphasized the importance of including the down and the yards to go in this initial EP model to build upon what the blue darter had started. And then over the years, additional variables have been considered and incorporated by a number of thought leaders. And so some of the key people that whose names you'll see who are contemporaries now are individuals like Aaron Schatz of uh, Football Outsiders. And we've referred to their stuff here and there throughout. And that's a great website source for yeah for data. Keith Goldner at Numberfire, which is now actually owned by FanDuel, uh, so he works for them. He's a great one. And Brian Burke of Advanced Football Analytics, who was acquired by ESPN in January 2016. And so Aaron Schatz is still a part of Football Outsiders. Keith Goldner, he works for FanDuel now, and Brian Burke works for ESPN.
1: Yeah, that was interesting to see that Numberfire owned by FanDuel. I didn't know that, because I still still think ESPN uses some of their stuff, right, on some of their... uh, projections and probabilities so that's an interesting You're comment right. right there
0: you know i've forgotten that they yeah. definitely use it on there but it, i mean it's not yeah. they're not directly competitors in terms of what yeah. they do day to day they're just both battling to get that and you and i've talked about it i think in the i can't remember which preview or review we did where we talked about the espn plus model but the espn has had a has been on a roll over the last five years of acquiring analytics professionals and brian burke mm-hmm. was just another horse for their stable
1: Gotcha. Okay. All right, Glenn, this is a metrics that matter episode. So let's get into the details, the nitty gritty. What exactly are the metrics used in EP and EPA?
0: Yeah. So again, it's evolved over time. Uh, but it is a estimated points is a model or an equation that's based on the past play by play data in football. It can be applied to offenses, defenses and special teams. And one of the tricky things is there's there are various models out there. Each person. Uh, kind of has a different opinion on, on a nuance that adds to it. So, And, and yeah. then over time, as yeah. it evolves and more data becomes available. For example, Virgil Carter's very original, as we mentioned, uh, he broke the field out into 10-yard increments and then calculated the expected score in each increment based on uh, about 8,300 plays that he'd gathered from the first 56 games of the 1969 season. And Houston, because I said the magic word games, I want to take just a moment with Bowl season fully upon us, whether you're traveling to see your team playing a bowl game or you're sitting around, you have some free time, and you want to take advantage of a bowl game being in your town, there's only one place to go get seats for the game, and that's Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top place to go for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, and you can do that all, Houston, on the Vivid Seats app to make things even better better. Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's very simply called Vivid Seats Rewards. Awesome way to get rewards for doing what you already wanted to do. So just go to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats apps, and fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. You don't even have to do anything to take advantage of that. Now, every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee, as always, from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app. Join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty Program automatically today. And when it's time to buy, new users enter our promo code OVERTIME. That's one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. In Houston, as I was saying, they built the data off of about 8,300 plays from the first 56 games of the 1969 season. And then the hidden game of football incorporated the down and yards to go in the EPLP model on the belief that it was critical to determine the success of a play. And there's this great uh, chart and Houston. I have, as you can see, I have a, uh, a litany of notes and sources in our, our show notes, which will be available uh, on our website, neutral site com slash show notes. Look for this metrics that matter episode. Uh, A lot of good sources to read on there. So there's this chart comparing the original EP model against this, uh, the hidden game of football model. And then as it's continued to evolve, uh, most models have come to incorporate several other variables, but they're really hard to actually see what they're using. You know, ESPN doesn't share out what goes into their model, Um, but there there is a good view into some of these more complex models that can be found in one of the sources called Drive by Football's uh, 2011 post that... that they had, which is linked again. And Carnegie Mellon has an article from 2017 there, the Carnegie Mellon sports analytics group. And so that will also be available on neutral dot com slash
1: show notes. And two things real quick. I'm glad you mentioned uh, ESPN has their own model. Cause I was going to ask, you know, I, I think that's probably the, the most well-known because like you mentioned, they use it for FPI, they use it for QBR. So, so I, I think you already answered my question that ESPN does their own model. Uh, yeah. But that second That's That Carnegie Mellon story you mentioned for for listeners out there, I recommend uh, clicking on that article and reading through it. It gives real-world examples on uh, how EP is used for individual players and why, like, they give a a great example of, you know, I think it was Duke Johnson ran the ball on a draw play on third and 15. He gained 11 yards, and they gave him a a little uh, ranking, if you will, EP score, Uh, but then uh, another player, I think it was, I think it was D'Angelo Williams. and the example, he ran the ball for three yards on a third and one. Therefore, he picked up a, a first down. Those three yards were more valuable than Duke Johnson's eleven yards. So, like real world examples like that, make this a little more tangible. So, f- for for you guys out there, that that Carnegie Mellon one is is very very helpful.
0: That's a good example because the the example I'm going to use is very, is pretty. It's not going to sound pretty, I'm, I'm afraid, on, on the podcast, but I'm going to try to give an example of it and then apply the actual numbers. So yeah. you're right. I think the exact example of Duke Johnson and D'Angelo Williams is, is helpful to see it because essentially the EP values are calculated um, for where the down is one number, X, and the distance or yards to go is Y, and the yard line or field position they're at, is Z. So you have you know where the down was, the distance to go, and the, the field position on the overall you divide the total points scored on that drive over any given historical time frame, uh, seven points for a touchdown, three for a field goal, minus two for safety, by the number of plays where that situation occurred. So you're looking back at all the potential variables of as XYZ combined over the last, let's say, 10 years in football and seeing, well, how many points were scored on that play? And then you're dividing that by the total number of plays where that situation existed, and that's the expected points. So for example... If it's a first and 10 from your team's own 20, and that showed up maybe 100 times, 100 drives over the last five years, and on 14 of those drives, they scored touchdowns, eight scored field goals, and one was a safety, the calculation uh, comes out to 1.2 expected points once you kind of plug that all in. Again, it's easier to see in the show notes. Um, yeah, or in the yeah. example, but that that's roughly how it looks. It, it's looking against each of those things, and every time it happened, did people actually score, and how many points did they score? Divide that by the t- total number of scenarios. And the beautiful thing yeah, about this and, is that Houston is it accounts for both explosiveness and efficiency and success of a team, which is two descriptors that we've talked about a, a lot, as, and you'll see and people yeah. talk about a lot in analytics. And it's we specifically talked about it in the S and P Plus and at ESPN FPI as well, because those are called out in both of those metrics.
1: Yeah, and that's, it's a good point that go check out our show notes, because I'm looking at it right now. And it's much, much easier to understand when you're actually putting eyes on the equation used. It makes it makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, But just listening to it, it sounds really, really tricky. So I know there's a lot of criticisms on analytics and metrics like this. What Glenn, what have you seen out there? What are the criticisms of EP and EPA?
0: I think the biggest one so far is that there's no agreed upon standard model for the EPA. So everybody's got something that's a little bit different, which is fine in terms of you're still evolving what it looks like. But the problem with it is is that any model to be deemed reliable or successful has to be recreated, has to be recreatable. You have to be able to – somebody else, it's like a peer review, has to be able to apply it and get to a reasonable number and be – uh, predictively accurate, and there's no standard model, and so there's no standard base to test off of. Plus, there's really a lack of community research and the transparency into what goes into people's models. So, again, there's no ability to do any kind of peer review, which is critical for actually testing whether it's you know reasonable. And just for example, most of the models are proprietary, which is understandable because it's a competitive advantage for organizations, so it's hard to reproduce those results, giving ESPN an advantage over maybe competitors. However, there are some, I want to shout out some great sources or groups out there that are trying to open, uh, crack the nut on this a little bit and be more open and transparent so that it can be tested. And that's collegefootballdata.com, cfbdatawarehouse.com. And then there's a GitHub community uh, that is actively trying to address this. So I, I really like that there are groups trying to do this. And of course, it, it's kind of... Um, it's not the mainstream groups that are trying to do that.
1: Yeah, That's really cool that there's a GitHub community for this, but do you think there's a way to measure the accuracy of this thing, or or, uh, is that even necessary, or will the accuracy just prove out over time? I know we didn't really find any kind of stats or comparisons versus other uh, metrics, if you will. Have you seen anything on the accuracy, or what do you think? What's what's just your general thought on is your gut feeling that this, this model is accurate or um, is it th- still kind of in the works?
0: I th- So two things. I think, number one, I think that ac- that getting to accuracy is important because any just about every metric, it's all about predictability. That's what we care about is the ability to predict the value of a team or the future potential success of a team. That's why we care. And so we need to know how accurate something, you know, these metrics are in actually mm-hmm. achieving that goal of predictability. Um, two, I do, I do think it's uh, possible because, I mean, you're just looking. You're using past data for future predictive performance, and you're creating a model, and that should be repeatable and testable. Um, However, it is hard to figure out how accurate these things actually are because there aren't a lot of people publishing again their EPAs or the EPA or EPA model consistently to determine how accurate it is. And again, um, estimated points differs in terms of the model teams use and then estimated points added is just a different is just the difference between the actual points a team scored and or or, or sorry, is just the difference between the new estimated points of a team versus the previous estimated points they had at the start of a play. So it's easy to calculate EPA off of EP if you know what the EP model is. And you could then test the accuracy, but it's hard to get to
1: that. Yeah, no, this is interesting. And it's it's still kind of kind of new, right? So it has a long way to go. Um, but obviously, this thing has a future in football and in college football, what do you what do you see as the future for EP EPA? Or just if you want to just talk about analytics and metrics in general too, for for college football, this is interesting that it's getting, uh, I don't want to say down to the level of college football, but this wasn't typically something going on, you know, five, 10 years ago in the sport. So if you want to talk about the future of, of this metric.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, so like you mentioned, this started in the NFL and then evolved into college football like most uh, data does and kind of a lot of rules anyways. But I, I'd say this: the future of this is still growing and evolving because ESPN is going to continue to use it. Um, having hired Brian Burke, they're, they're investing in it in ep and epa um, and they're going to continue to apply it elsewhere other people are invested in including those open source communities that we talked about um, i think it'll also potentially influence rankings more and more just like it actually influences fpi mm-hmm. which is even though they say it's not is technically a ranking system i yeah. think the only uh, there hasn't been a lot of applied rankings specifically for ep though we actually uh, reached out to uh Parker Fleming at Frogs of War on Twitter because uh, I, I they'd been one of the articles that kind of started the, us digging into this. And he, after we chatted with him a little bit, he did put together a, a couple rankings. He's published a couple different times, one in September and one at the end of October, uh, where he did rank the teams uh, based on EP. The one in October was Big 12 specific, which, of course, he's a, mm-hmm. they're a TCU blog, so it makes sense. But the one he did in September, just for example... This was uh, again. You have to take in the context. This was sep- uh, September twenty third, twenty nineteen. Uh, the overall EPA rankings was Wisconsin, one, Washington, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, and your boys, Florida. So there are some people starting to put it into rankings, and I think that's a part of what the future looks like.
1: Gotcha. but but this is promising. You think it's gonna be it's gonna be around for a while, yeah?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, it's valuable. It, it's the model behind how many points are worthwhile is important, but it's really the EPA and the application of EPA that matters. So understanding how – if EP is a standard number regardless of the team, EPA is a team-specific number. How good is this team at adding points every play they have? Right.
1: No, This is great. Glenn, thanks. I think you did a great job explaining this. Um, even me having all the notes and articles – at my fingertips, I still uh, learned quite a bit from listening to you uh, talk about this. So, nicely done. I appreciate it. This was a very confusing to- topic, but I think you made <laughs> it uh, digestible, at least, you know. Yeah. Well, I hope so. All right, guys. I, I And I love seeing kind of the, the intersection of the metrics and the analytics with college football. Again, like I said a few minutes ago, this isn't something we saw five, ten years ago. I, I love the progression that football, and specifically college football, are making uh, so it's I think it's a promising future for the sport and just another reason why college football is the greatest sport in the world. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to Neutral Sight. We appreciate being your college football podcast. And whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or even Google Podcast, make sure you go in there, subscribe, and better yet, leave us a review. We want your feedback. Uh, don't forget to check out our show notes at NeutralSightPodcast.com. That site also has links to all of our social media accounts. But you can follow us, hit us up on Twitter, at NeutralSiteCast. On Instagram, we're at NeutralSite. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you can use these overlooked stories and underused data at the tailgate this weekend.